Voyage on T-10, the show with 10-minute takes on the future of education and healthcare. I'm your host, Tim Fitzpatrick. On today's voyage, you'll hear from Smith Patel, Associate Director at the Digital Medicine Society, better known as DIME. Even though I've now known and followed Smith for years, this was my first time hearing about his path to becoming a pharmacist and why his personal mission aligns so well with his current work at DIME. As a global nonprofit and professional community, DIME aims to advance the ethical, effective, equitable, and safe use of digital medicine to redefine healthcare and improve lives. The timing of this episode was pretty fun, since their team had just publicly launched their regulatory pathway tool that same week. Let me tell you whether you are building a digital health company or working in healthcare and thinking about using digital tools in your care settings, DIME should be one of the first places you look for guidance. They have everything you need from best practices and resource libraries to frameworks and playbooks. We use them all the time at Icona. Without further ado, please enjoy my deep dive on digital medicine with Smith Patel. Smith Patel, it's long overdue to have you on T-10 and to see you and to catch up. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim. And it's so lovely to join you again. And uh, thank you for all you do to inspire and advance our field. Hey, I really appreciate that. Uh, I want to start with your, what you're currently doing at Dime. Could you give us an idea, obviously, what your what your role is, and then, of course, what what that entails? You're you're one of those organizations that seems to be working on everything, and there's so many fascinating projects at all times. And would love to better understand your role in all of it. Absolutely. Um, so I'm the associate director here at Dime or Digital Medicine Society. We are a 5013C nonprofit dedicated to advancing safe, effective, ethical, and equitable use of digital technologies. As we think about improving care for individuals um, across the board, and I think my role sits at a very uh, interesting intersection of regulatory science and a clinical care delivery that entails um, projects and arenas. Um, for example, leading our partnership with VA, which is the largest health system, as VA thinks about new digital innovation in terms of how they can care for the patient, not delivering care or not providing healthcare, but essentially how can they redefine to care for the patients um, and individuals and veterans uh, across the board, and then think about solutions that can be scaled um, in the digital health arena, because we, as you may know, Tim, uh, very effectively, they serve over 9 million um, veterans every year. And I think it's a huge healthcare system. And if we think about one of the potential of digital is um, its ability to scale. So looking at from the health system's perspective and on my other side of the role, I support uh, regulatory science and clinical care delivery. So uh, recently we had um, a pre-competitive -colla pre collaborative I had led um, in partnership with our regulatory colleagues uh, here in the US, Google, um, Abbott, MedTech, organizations, life science organizations, academic partners like Harvard and MIT Center of Regulatory Science to essentially how can we demystify this cumbersome and complex and convoluted space of digital health regulations to make sure that we are building uh, transparent, high quality evidence-based uh, products that goes in the hands of patients. And then last but not the least, uh, support some of the market development in terms of what's on the horizon. How can we think about future opportunities and what are some of the 
current impediments that ecosystem as a whole is challenged with that we can solve. Um, because I, one of the things that I absolutely love is solving some of the hairiest problems that our ecosystem faces. Incredible, and I know you do. Okay, there's so much to dig into here. I, I appreciate you kind of framing everything you you take a look at in your in your capacity at Dime. I cannot wait to dive in. So the very first thing I want to touch on, and you've talked about before, is this idea that collaboration is key. And I think your position, your organization embodies that to the full. And you've already laid out several examples of how that's the case. So taking the example of the VA partnership, which yes, you know, one of those nine million, very grateful that you are able to and willing to support the VA and to bring uh, new insights into regulatory to clinical care delivery to innovation. I, I absolutely love this partnership and always you know, start smiling when I see it hit my feed that you're doing something new with the VA. Can you use that example or perhaps the second one you mentioned of all of these stakeholders across healthcare, varying size organizations, um, from different sides of healthcare too, which I find fascinating. How do you think about collaboration in this context of digital health, uh, given like, thinking about it as collaboration and why is that so important when you think about mapping that future state and, those, and seeing those current challenges you described at the end? Absolutely, I would love to dive in. And you know, uh, before I dive in, one of the things I want to um, highlight is um, I grew up in India, which is a land of over 1.2 billion people. And one of the things if I learned from India before moving to the States five years ago was this power of connectedness and things we can do together then by ourselves was one of the impeding factors on terms of like why and what motivated me to join Dime. And something that Dime embodies is this role of convener. Um, I have a strong opinion and something I recently heard from Brandon O'Leary, the deputy director uh, at FDA. Uh, he talks about it. Digital health is a sports team. Um, it's it's a team sport. Um, digital health is a team sport. And at the end of the day, we are all driving towards that one common goal is, um, I call it in Hindi called seva, uh, which means serving patients or serving individuals who are in the need, uh, be it in the need of elevating the pain or getting over a disease or disorder, managing their disease or disorder. At the end of the day, everyone in healthcare has that common end goal of serving individuals and patients. So um, one of the roles that DIME plays, and it's super critical as we think about digital health field is we can start from scratch. You know, in um, 1800s and 1900s, when there were small molecule discoveries and discoveries for um, say vaccines and biologics that were happening in 1900s. That time, the industries were siloed and they were siloed for right reasons because we didn't have the technology to connect us. You know, think about in, in 1900s or maybe the time when I was born in 1990s, we didn't have telephone access or we didn't have mobile access or smartphones during that time. Like WWW bubble just started in 1999 compared to today. The world is more connected. We have tools and resources that can actually connect people. And I think if we want to build solutions, if we want to build communities uh, who will use these solutions to drive better healthcare um, and to drive more more care for individuals, we need to think about from a collaborative approaches so that we are not building something that works for one stakeholder doesn't work for the other, but rather we are building um, digital health products and um, 
any product that works for every stakeholder, be it regulators, be it investors, be it uh, payers who are going to reimburse for it, or be health systems who are going to implement it and adopt it, uh, that will essentially drive towards better healthcare. You mentioned this is this is so helpful to talk through. I wonder now how much your background and path. You mentioned what drew you to Dime, and could we take a second? And I think it's important. I know it's important. You mentioned moving here five years ago. I know the, the school you went through, your your training. Um, if you could kind of give people an idea where those last five years, how you spent them, how you arrived in your current position at Dime. Absolutely, would be happy to. Um, so I was a pharmacist back in India, and when I moved here, I started working in the market development division of a small pharma. Um, but there was a missing piece that I had was going back and getting my degree and getting the doctorate here in the U.S. So went to the Ohio State University to get my PharmD. Uh, during that time, I think I realized that it is important to learn science. It's important to learn clinical aspects of it, which I absolutely enjoyed and talking to patients and uh, caring for them. But there was this penchant that I had since the first year of pharmacy school as a part of the MIT and Harvard Medical School's Health Innovation Program, where I had an opportunity to build this device. Um, we call it medical device in today's world now, but in 2016, it was still a, a product. It sounds wild, but it, the idea came from uh, my mom, who also immigrated with myself. Uh, she was uncomfortable with getting cervical cancer screening here with a white male physician. Um, and she was not able to find a female physician during that time. And that idea and concept we took into at the MIT and Harvard in, in a collaborative group, which were filled with engineers and designers. And we build a medical devices, which sounds funny and borderline crazy, but it's kind of like shape of a dildo, which has a retractable brush that collects vaginal tissues um, and with a liquid solution that gets stored in it. Mind blowing. In school, we learn a lot and learned a lot about problems. But at that um, place at MIT and Harvard, I got to create tools, use my creativity, and create solutions that essentially work for a lot of people and for a lot of women um, for a very important cause and prevent preventing uh, cervical cancer. So I think that ignited me. And over time, I try to learn. Um, with a digital health tech startup in the payer space to also consulting with Amerisource Bergen in the digital therapeutic space that led my way to Dime, where learning from pharma life science, a clinical side of the shop, the payment side, and a little bit of consulting all together to hopefully be a little bit valuable uh, asset here at Dime. Well, I can tell you um, as one one person, and I hope you hear this all the time, the things you build at Dime, the things you put together, the collaborations and what they result in are incredibly helpful for those of us who are building in the early stage digital, digital health landscape. I really enjoy, obviously, hearing people's backstories, their origin stories, how they get to where they are. It sounds, and of course, you're telling this story now in hindsight, but all of these pieces and parts that ended up in the role you're in now that fits so nicely into your interests. You know, you talked about what what drew you initially in this idea that in 2016, a product would be considered a medical device today. That's a, that's a great segue for us because I want to also touch on a case study, an example of one resource in particular that I can't imagine the amount of lift and collaboration that went into it, but you announced it last week, I believe it was, maybe the week before this RegPath 
tool to help people, I'd imagine, who are now in the world of medical devices, who five, six years ago may not have realized it was medical device, are having to understand and figure out where does regulatory landscape, where do they fit in that landscape? Is it expanding? Does it affect what it is that they're even thinking about building? And depending on where they are in building that product, how should they be interacting and exploring the paths ahead? Could you talk about that as just one example of something you've built? Give us an idea of kind of what it is, how it helps companies, and then what it took to, to bring it to life. Absolutely. I would love to. Uh, it's something hot in my mind right now these days and something that <laughs> a need. Hopefully we have created tools and resources for individuals as they think about navigating this complex landscape. And, uh, you know, Tim, as you just mentioned around in 2016, when I had built a product, I had no idea if that's a regulated product versus if uh, that's a non-regulated product or like skating the line, where to find resources who to go to, who to talk to. Um, and I think now in the hindsight, one of the things uh, for viewers and listeners who are joining us today, um, Dime had led for the eight months a pre-competitive collaborative called Digital Health Regulatory Pathways Project um, that brought together stakeholders from tech, med tech, life science, um, academic partners, trade associations, um, digital health innovators all together to create free resources for our developers community and innovators community as they think about um, going across and navigating this landscape of digital health regulations and policies. Uh, and, and I, I, and I um, tell this because I recently heard, um, and I change it a little bit in terms of uh, when I think of navigating uh, regulations in US, it's, it's kind of like teenage sex. Um, a lot of people wants to do it or does it, but don't know how to optimally do it uh, or how to do it right. And it's it's very interesting because the space is so cumbersome. It is so complex. Um, even myself, like going, there are many nuances to it and for right reasons, you know, for a very long time in 1976, when um, the first laws that gave FDA the, the authority to regulate medical devices, that time we were talking about a completely different set of devices. There were hardware devices in 1980s, there were MRIs that came in place, there were dental dental uh, fixtures and there were pacemakers. Those are traditional hardware devices. In 2020 and beyond, we are talking about software products, software-based medical devices, digital therapeutics, digital applications, mobile applications, AI ML approaches, novel digital endpoints that are used to inform um, digital technologies. What do innovators do? Where do they find resources? How do they know if they should be regulated or not? If they are regulated, what's the right pathway for them? Um, you know, it's not like drug world that everything should be approved. These medical devices have different kinds of risks and sometimes they only need a marketing clearance by a 510K or if their risk is a little bit higher in their class two, they may need to go to de novo pathway if it's a novel product. Or if there's a higher risk to it, they may need to go through a pre-market approval there are differences to that. And I think what um, DIME has done in this collaborative is create um, a world's first navigation tool. It's an interactive tool. You can answer a few questions that will lead to what's the most likely regulatory pathway for your product, um, or should you be regulated or not? And then we have over 50 resources to help you build the right regulatory strategy, because for a very long time, we have missed this concept that 
we need to reiterate on the fact is a fit for purpose regulatory strategy is a good business strategy. You know, think about regulations, not once you have built the product, but much early on when you are designing, when you are in the early development phase, um, when you are um, in the discovery phase around how you map your regulatory strategy that will impact short and long-term commercial um, and business decision-making. Well, as someone that's already tried the tool and sent it to at least a dozen, if not more people in, in my Rolodex, just to say, hey, this is something that we've discussed in the past. Can't tell you the last, we've been doing this six years at Icona and wondered a lot of times, hey, how should we be thinking about this strategy if the product roadmap takes us in this direction? And how does that direction of the product with our customers compare against what is currently being regulated on the software side, on the, on the hardware side. Um, and it's, it's just been one of those fascinating problems that like you point out is really daunting and overwhelming. And I think about the, the job of an innovator in today's market where more and more consumers want to be aware of their health and all these devices are popping up and the importance of being able to de-risk you know, the regulatory path, especially where there is going to be more oversight and that's a good thing to, to be able to differentiate among products to ensure that products are going through the right hurdles to, to get to market. Um, just you can't iterate enough for fellow, anyone else who's out there thinking of starting something or is running their early stage business and is either attracting capital, attracting customers, um, trying to find their new hires. Like this tool is such an important part of that arsenal and that decision-making process. So I'm excited and, and grateful again for for you and, and all the effort that I'm sure it took to, to get it done. I'd, I'd love to kind of start shifting towards what you're optimistic about, the things that you're excited about. And then of course, we'll wrap up uh, with the, the final frontier. Um, but if we could take a minute, I you must see, especially given your background, you've spent a lot of time in all different sides of healthcare like we've discussed. And now you're thinking about regulatory pathways. You likely have a really good understanding or much better than most about what is being regulated and where there are opportunities and um, where more and more data is becoming available to then make decisions. What what are you excited about? Like what, which applications or indications or types of tools, what, what comes to mind when you when you think about the next several years of digital health? Wow, I can we can talk about this for over an hour, and I'll I'll not I'll still not bore you or get bored by. Um, but I think there are a couple of threads that I'm really excited about. Is uh, you know thinking about regulatory is a really good step as a part of the digital health development process. It is not the final step. You know the fi final step. There are few two more things uh, if we think about before it reaches the patients who are going to use it and who will. Who will benefit from that? The second piece uh, following this that I'm really keen about, um, and hopefully the digital health industry will will work on this uh, super closely and are working on this super closely is around reimbursement pathways, around how do we find right reimbursement pathways for these innovative products and have the right market access strategies and channels that will provide access to these newer technologies for uh, patients. And then once they they are reimbursement pathway, one of the things that I think will take the majority of the chunk over the next couple of years is getting the implementation science right. What I mean by implementation science is not just having a tool that is regulated that can be reimbursed, but rather how can how it will be adopted 
um, in what capacity, what will we learn about uh, those adoption measures? You know, there are threads around from the operational side of uh, implementation, whether it's implemented in clinic and a health system. There are questions around in the data components in terms of data interoperability, data sharing, data access, who has it? Um, and then there are questions around how do we build trust uh, in patients at the end of the day so that there, it's not just a transactional thing where people are um, using a tool for one time, they are like, oh, now I'm bored. I'm not going to use a digital therapeutic that was prescribed to me. Um, so I think we need to get those pieces of reimbursement and then implementation right if we want to have a wide adoption of these various new innovations for patients because we are changing. Digital health will become health. Um, and that is something that I'm looking very much looking forward to in the next few months. What I love about that answer is you essentially tackled the opportunities and the challenges at the same time. So I appreciate you kind of framing it that way. And it's a wonderful segue into something we're introducing here. We've already touched on a couple of the questions I'm about to ask you, but let's wrap up this conversation with what we're going to call the final frontier. It's a fast five questions in under 60 seconds. Smith, are you ready? I am more than ready. Okay. <laughs> Do it. Let's run this back. So what's the, what do you think is the top challenge in digital health today? Building trust. Building trust across the ecosystem, especially in patients and especially in clinicians um, who are going to be the end users. Amazing. Uh, what is the top opportunity? I think one of the unforgotten assets around um, the minute little things of it feels minute, but it has mega impact uh, getting the ethics, equity, privacy, and security measures for various kinds of products, right, is the largest opportunity that we should be honing if we want to build the right trust uh, amongst all people. I love that. How about the tech trend you're following? AI ML approaches and its potential um, in healthcare, but more so I'm focused and very interested in oncology space because digital health innovation is lagging so much. And the the most or the largest impact we can have on the individuals living with cancer is significant. Uh, media, top media rec, either book, podcast, something great you've consumed lately on, on the subject. Brian Dolan's Exit and Outcome newsletter, um, DTX podcast by Eugene Barkovich, um, stat newsletter. All amazing. Love it. And then lastly, let's wrap up with a healthcare leader or someone in the field that you're following, learning from. Gosh, I can just say my boss name, Jen Goldsack, but I'm not allowed. So, <laughs> but um, I think there are so many. Benjamin Schwartz is an orthopedic and talks a lot about uh, health tech. Really amazing. Joe Canali on virtual care. Um, Ami Bhatt from American Cardiology Association. Gita Nair. Grace Current. I don't want to butcher her name, but Grace Cordovano, who talks a lot about patients and what are patients' challenges. And I think those are the inspiring figures. Incredible. Smith Patel, thank you so much for, for joining us, for doing the first Final Frontier. It was incredible having you on T-10. Before we wrap up, where can people find you, get a hold of you, and, and talk after the show if they resonate with your message? Absolutely. I am active on LinkedIn, and we will share our LinkedIn link with um, with the colleagues who are listening to this, I'm very active. Please feel free to send me a message or an invite and I would love to connect with you and 
um, let's drive this field together. Absolutely. Well, we certainly will. We can't thank you enough. We'll make sure that all the notes that we talked about on the show, all the references, all the items, all the people are listed in the show notes in this episode. Uh, Smith, thank you again for joining us. Really good to have you on T-10. Thank you for having me. And this was really great. Look forward to it.